Hello. Welcome to the quarterly conference call for the CMG Malden SmartCore Investment Strategy. My name is Brian Schreiner. I'm Vice President of the Private Wealth Group here at CMG. The Malden SmartCore Investment Strategy is the culmination of over 30 years of economic thinking by one of the world's leading economic writers. John Malden is the Chief Economist and Co-Portfolio Manager of the Malden SmartCore Investment Strategy. John believes that the end of the debt supercycle is one of the most profound trends that will impact your portfolio over the next several years, and he believes the period ahead will require you to think and invest differently to get through what he calls the Great Reset. Instead of diversifying asset classes, Malden's Smart Core diversifies among trading strategies. The strategies seek growth, have the ability to respond to the global economy on a daily basis, and they do so with a disciplined investment process that seeks to minimize downside risk. Think of SmartCore as four strategies in one managed account portfolio. The strategies utilize ETFs that enable them to trade across asset classes, countries, sectors, commodities, and cash-like securities for safety. Today's call is going to be split into two segments. First, we'll hear from co-portfolio manager John Malden, on what he sees in today's investment environment and the economic landscape. In the second segment, we'll hear from one of the portfolio's four asset managers. Mike He is Managing Director of Investment Research here at CMG, where he oversees both the CMG beta rotation and the CMG high yield bond program. Mike will give us his take on the current market environment and provide insights into CMG's investment strategies which are two of the underlying strategies within Malden SmartCore. As you're listening to today's call, if you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about our investment management services, please contact us by phone or email. Our phone number is 800-891-9092, and our email address is info at cmgwealth.com. Federal securities laws require us to make the following disclosure. Investment involves risk. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Therefore, it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, including Malden SmartCore, will be profitable, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. No portion of this call should be construed as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. And there are additional important disclosures on our form ADV, which is available on our website. It's always an honor for me to introduce my friend and colleague, John Malden. In addition to serving as chief economist here at CMG, John is a noted financial expert, a New York Times bestselling author, a pioneering online commentator, and publisher of the weekly letter, Thoughts from the Frontline. Together with Malden Economics, John hosts the Strategic Investment Conference every year, which brings together some of the world's most respected economists, analysts, and investment managers. John has written many books. Several have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list, including Endgame, Code Red, Just One Thing, and Bullseye Investing. Welcome, John. Thanks for joining us today. It's good to be here with you. Malden SmartCore is an opportunistic, multi-asset, multi-manager investment strategy that combines several investment strategies into one portfolio. The objective is to seek global growth while maintaining a level of protection in down markets. Looking at performance last year compared to the Morningstar category for the U.S. fund tactical allocation, 
Malden Smart Core finished the year through December 31st up 5.8%, while the U.S. Fund Tactical Allocation Group was up 8.9% over the same period. Over the last six months of the year, Malden Smart Core was up 11.9%, while the U.S. Fund Tactical Allocation Group was up 15.5%. John, are you pleased with how the strategy has been performing? Well, it's done what I wanted it to do. So to me, what I'm trying to do is establish a portfolio that is focused on growth, but just as focused on volatility. Now, this year, there hasn't been, other than the March period, there wasn't a lot of volatility. We didn't drop nearly as much. Malden Smart Core is designed for not having to worry about getting out of everything and going to cash because the managers within our system can go to cash for you. So it's an active management approach. In my 20-year career, and I know Steve Blumenthal and several in our firm are been around even longer than I have, but I can say for sure that during this period, we're being as creative as ever with our clients' portfolios. Just going beyond the traditional asset allocation, using trading strategies, using non-correlated strategies, using other kinds of investments. And I think this is the environment that calls for that. Reading your thoughts from the frontline letter on Friday, you offer your forecast for the year ahead. You call it the year of the gripping hand. What do you mean by right. that? Yeah. Well, it's an allusion to um, science fiction, wrote two books, really. One was called The Mode in God's Eye. The other was On the Gripping Hand by Jerry Purnell and Larry Niven. And they basically talked about a three-handed race that was very aggressive. And so, you know, they were the problem you had to deal with. But if you were that alien race, you had a left hand or right hand. So, you know, as economists say, on the one hand, on the other hand, this race would say on the one hand, on the other hand, and on the gripping hand. And the gripping hand was not as dexterous as the regular hands, but it was the strong hand. And in my view today, it takes that kind of three-handed view to look at 2021. The problem with COVID is that it's a known unknown. We know what the problem is, is the virus is spreading. But what's unknown is how fast are we going to roll out the vaccine? How many people are going to take it? Is there enough productive capacity? And the answer is no, there's not enough production capacity to give us all of the vaccines that we want, not just for the U.S., but for the world. We clearly need Johnson Johnson's vaccine that will be coming out in February or March to be successful. We need their production capacity. We need, frankly, some of the other lesser well-known companies for them to be successful and to add their production capacity. It's a very complex situation, and I think it's going to take longer to come back from it, if you will. We turned off 140, 150,000 businesses, basically just kind of closed them down. Well, it's not going to be like turning your car back on those 150,000 new businesses show up. It takes capital. It takes time. It takes finding employees. It takes finding customers. It takes people willing to go out and do things and travel again. It takes people being safe. It takes people wanting to travel again. 
we don't know what recovery looks like. We could be in a recession in the sense of we're not getting back to the GDP levels we were. We're not seeing the growth rates that we were for longer than we we might imagine. I hope that's not the case. I mean, best case is that, you know, Moderna and Pfizer can come up with more production capacity, just like AstraZeneca over in Europe. And I mean, we need the rest of the world to get vaccinated. (laughs) It's just not the United States. This is a global economy, whether we want to think about it or not. And we need them producing and, and growing and getting back to normal. That means we need more vaccines, and we don't know how that's going to work. That's not clear. So it's we know what the problem is. What's going to happen is unknown, and that puts the risk in 2021 to be more unknowable, more difficult than we would like. A couple of the tailwinds you mentioned in the letter, innovation and technology seems to be moving forward faster than ever. The virus has pulled forward so many changes that were going to happen over the next five to 10 years anyway, but now they've been pulled forward. More of us are working from home. We knew that was a trend that was going to happen. Richard Fisher, the Dallas Fed chair, he's on the board of Pepsi. We've seen five years worth of innovation that we had planned for happen in nine months. I could go on for an hour. You've heard me. <laughs> I know you can on, on technology. You know, I get very excited about the shifts in technology. I'm excited about what I think is going to be a massive new wave of agricultural innovation coming through that people don't even comprehend. It's going to be as big as a green revolution in the 40s and 50s. It's beyond what we can understand. What about the oldest technology, trade? <laughs> you seem optimistic that trade relation or trade partners, relationships with those trade partners could improve under the Biden presidency? Well, I think our trade relations with most partners has been the same. And frankly, we're doing more trade than ever with China. What I'm hopeful is that Biden will remove the tariffs, which I've written about for 20 years as one of the worst inventions ever. This is not a new stance. I was critical of Trump when he initiated the tariffs to begin with. Do we need to deal with China? Absolutely. We Do we need to be company focused? Absolutely. Should we do something about Huawei in particular? That's the easy target to talk about. Yes. Is the relationship with China dicey? Yes, it is. Is it going to end up in a hot war? No. Could it be a cold war? Probably. That's just going to be the way that things are. But I expect that we'll be doing more trade globally in 10 years than we will be today. Still, Ricardo, there are still countries that have natural advantages, and that's not a bad thing. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the Fed. Their balance sheet exploded last year. What impact is this going to have? I know we can't be specific, but what are your concerns and what's on your mind when you think about the Fed? My concern is that they're destroying the capital markets. The bond market is becoming more and more a creature of the Fed, just like it has in China. They're now buying investment-grade corporate stocks. I mean, why do they need to buy Apple debt? I don't understand. Apple doesn't need cheaper debt or, you know, pick any number of 100 companies. They're messing around with the capital markets. They are making the divide between the wealthy 
and the poor, that income wealth disparity, they're making it worse, not better. They are repressing savers. It is financial repression. I am not happy with this Fed and how they're going about doing their life. Their third unwritten mandate that they seem to think that is theirs now is to float the market and to keep the stock market up, which means that it keeps the assets of the wealthy better. And so we get bubbles like we've got right now. Well, John, as always, thank you for your insight today. And we look forward to your coming letters. I know you have, I think next week, you're going to write more about your 2021 outlook, correct? I'll probably be doing another uh, two letters on the 2021 outlook. Wonderful. We'll look forward to them. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. We're back for the second segment of the Malden Smart Core quarterly conference call for the quarter of 2020. As a reminder, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about our investment management services, contact us by phone at 800 800- 891-9092 or by email at info at cmgwealth.com. I'm very glad to be here with Michael He, Managing Director of Investment Research here at CMG. Mike oversees both the CMG beta rotation and the CMG high yield bond strategy, which combined account for 25% of Malden Smart Core. Mike is a fellow of the Society of Actuaries. He joined CMG in 2009, where his primary responsibility is to oversee investment research and investment strategy development here at our firm. Prior to joining CMG, Mike was a consulting actuary and financial risk manager. He holds a Master of Science degree in mathematics from Westchester University and a Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics with a concentration in economics from the University of Delaware. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Very glad to have you, Mike. As you know, our clients get to hear from John Malden and Steve Blumenthal every week, but they don't have the opportunity to hear from you or our investment team very often, so I'm very excited to have you on the call today. I thought it would be good just to start off with an explanation or maybe a discussion about CMG's investment philosophy. How would you describe our investment philosophy here at the firm? Yeah, so CMG is a tactical investment manager. So, you know, we believe in a tactical approach to investing. One of the pillars of our philosophy is to remove emotion from the decision-making process. So we rely heavily on a rules-based algorithmic approach to investing. We spend the majority of our efforts in our investment research time in developing products that are algorithmic-based, rules-based, using primarily price information to develop strategies that are tactical in nature. So we have several different investment strategies here at CMG. Now, the strategies we use within Malden Smart Core are beta rotation and our high-yield bond program. First, let's talk about beta rotation. What's the investment process for this strategy? So beta rotation was developed to generally get a better exposure to the equity space. And so the investment approach is a relative strength, algorithmic-based approach. So we're measuring the relative strength of the equity markets as represented by the total market index. 
and we're comparing that to the utility sector. We're also measuring the relative strength of the utility sector. And the idea behind this is, again, we're looking for a better approach to equity, to gain equity exposure, and using the utility sector as a defensive play as the utility sector is the most bond-like sector of the equity markets. Utility companies typically carry a lot of debt, and as such, their interest rates impact their business. Utilities are also, at certain times, negatively correlated to the equity markets. The typical market cycles don't impact utility companies the same way they do the rest of the equity space. You mentioned you know, that we use the broad market index. VTI, I think, is the fund that we've been using these days, the Vanguard Total Market yes, Fund. Yes, the Vanguard correct? Total Market Index ETF, VTI is the ticker. Right. And which utilities fund do we have in the universe these days? We also use the Vanguard Utilities Sector Fund with ticker VPU. But how about the current allocation? I know we are long VTI and I think have been for some time. We rotated out of utilities early in the fourth quarter, at some point in October of uh, 2020, into out of utilities and equities. So we took our VTI position and have held it through the majority of the fourth quarter right through today. Do you have a strength reading on VTI today? Are you able to tell if we're close to a trade back to utilities or to cash? At this point, the equity sector is showing a strength factor that is much stronger than the utility sector. So we're at a minimum several days away from potential rotation back to utilities. Well, let's shift gears and talk about the high-yield bond program. This is CMG's longest-standing strategy, really the flagship strategy for the firm. Can you talk about the investment process behind our high-yield strategy? Yeah, so the high-yield strategy has been in existence since CMG you know, first started. It was, the, it was the strategy the firm was built around. Steve's been running the strategy since the early 90s. The high-yield strategy is the trend-following strategy, identifying the trend in the high-yield space by using the Bank of America Merrill Lynch high-yield index. Depending on how far that index is away from its long-term average, we're making decisions to whether to keep high-yield exposure or whether to lower our high-yield exposure and, and move to cash. Well, I know that Steve writes often about high-yield or high-yield strategy and also his feelings and concerns about the high-yield market in general. And I know the high-yield strategy is specifically designed to navigate you know, volatility when it's there. And I think at least in the longer term, we do expect you know, the high-yield market to have more volatility than it's had in recent years. How is high-yield positioned today? And I know in your mind, you like to adhere to that rules-based and kind of objective approach to allow the algorithm and the model to really dictate our position. But do you have any personal views or opinions about the high-yield sector in general? Currently, we are long high-yield and have been for several weeks. I know that Steve writes a lot about high-yield and 
and his views on the high-yield market. However, our models are rules-based algorithmic models, and our positions don't always reflect what Steve represents in his writing. Having said that, Brian, you mentioned that there's a likelihood that we could experience more volatility in the high-yield space than we have over the more recent history. And our models are designed to identify that type of volatility. And in the instance that it, it, it returns and becomes significant, we would move aside and wait for that trend to reset before taking on high-yield exposure again. Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, in the first segment today, John Malden talked about his concern about where we are in not just the equities markets, but also the bond markets relative to Federal Reserve intervention and asset purchases. So that will play a role as well. And I think, Mike, your approach and your way of thinking makes the most sense. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in my years is that I'm just not good at predicting market direction. And the markets will go in one direction far longer than I expect. And so that goes back to this rules-based approach and not making subjective or emotional decisions. So I agree with your thought process. There are a lot of uncertainties in, in the markets right now. I mean, political concerns, transfer of power, and we've you know seen what's happened in, in Congress over the past week or so. Not to mention, we're in a pandemic. The rates of infection are rising, deaths are rising. Vaccinations you know, may have an impact over the next few months to years, but you never know. And as you just mentioned, one thing I've learned as well is there have been many trades that I've witnessed over the past several years that have been dictated by our rules-based algorithms that at the time the signal came across, I wasn't really sure you know, how that was going to turn out. And my expectations were completely wrong. And allowing our rules-based algorithm to dictate our exposures turned out much better than I ever expected based on my personal views of what I thought was going to happen. So, you know, it's difficult to predict and removing emotion from your buy and sell decisions has served us well and will continue to into the future. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. We look forward to talking to you again in a few quarters as we make the rounds across the managers in Malden Smart Corps. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me.